Are you ready for some more God's truth this morning? Because God's truth sets us free. You believe that? All right, let's pray. God, please prepare us to receive your word this morning. Open our hearts and our minds to your truth, God, because your truth sets us free. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us to convict us. Mm. To move in our, in, in our hearts and our minds to take the blinders off. And the particular issue we're going to look at today, we may have blinders on. We may have never thought about this this way before. And we may have compromised, actually. And, and so, God, please, if we have, show us that we have. And then move in us. Renew us. Make us like you. Move us from people who steal to people who are generous. In your mighty name we pray and ask. Amen. If you're a guest with us, uh, amen. Yeah. Woo. Do that anytime. If you're a guest with us uh, today, we are in this series, these, these 10 love instructions. You may know them as the 10 commandments and we're letting, we're letting God just speak to us and move us and change us. And today we're in the eighth instruction. We're working backwards if you haven't noticed. And it goes this way. This is what God says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, God says this, you shall not steal. I suppose that none of us like to think of ourselves as a thief, right? This is going to be a good service. I'm, I'm, I'm sensing it. Very interactive. Let's just get, I almost just want to come be with you. You know what I mean? Come be with you here. But we steal, or we have stolen more than we, more than, more than we like to think, I think. We don't call it stealing, of course. We have other names for it. When I was a kid, I, I called it finders, keepers, losers, weepers, right? We have other names for it. As, as adults, we may, I, I was just borrowing it. I, I meant I just forgot to pay them back. They don't need it anyway because they got so much. I I like this one. Well, I should be paid more anyway, right? So why can't I steal from my employer? We can rattle this list off pretty quickly and probably add some things to it because we've all done something like this Before, and yet we don't call ourselves thieves. Why? Well, I have a I have a I have a theory on that, and it applies more to than just this eighth instruction. And this theory involves involves rodent hairs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did 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 you know? Did you know that the FDA only requires apple butter to be pulled off the shelf? if it has four or more rodent hairs in it or five or more whole bugs in it, not including mites or aphids, three or less rodent hairs, four or less whole bugs in your apple butter and you're spreading that apple butter with all those, you know, those bugs and those rodent hairs right on your toast or your bagel. Tim, I'm glad I know you wanted to know that this morning. How about that coffee you drank this morning? Mm. 
Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, if 10% or more of it has been infested with insects or mold, you're not drinking it. But 9%, mm, I hope you enjoyed that cup. And what about hot dogs? Don't get me started on hot dogs. Unless they're Hebrew national hot dogs, because the Jews can make a really good hot dog. There's no pieces parts in there. I mean, it's like the filet mignon of hot dog. Unless it's that, uh, by the time you remove all the nasty, I don't think you have anything left to eat, right? Now, you may be sitting there thinking, hey, that's interesting, Pastor Dave, but what's the connection between rodent hairs in my apple butter and being a thief? Well, when it comes to food standards, the the FDA does not require absolute purity. Some bureaucrat somewhere has determined that there is an acceptable level of impurity that we can live with in our food. And I wonder, I I just wonder if we don't think along similar lines when it comes to our own lives. For example, instead of, instead of embracing this, this, um, this command, this, this absolute standard suggested by the, the eighth instruction, you shall not steal, we characterize certain things as not really stealing so that we don't have to call ourselves a thief. Some studies show that four out of five people in the U.S. believe it's okay to steal from your employer because I should be paid more, right? One in three people have stolen from a store, and we defraud the U.S. government of up to almost $30 billion a year in tax revenue because it's not really stealing from the government, is it? Then the question becomes this. What price do we pay when we continually downgrade our conscience? How many rodent hairs are you comfortable with? Huh. (laughs) Amen to that. Someone said none. I don't want any rodent hairs in my apple butter. What I find fascinating and very interesting about this eighth instruction uh, is that it does not have an object to it. So this is like an English lesson here. When you read it, it just says, thou shall not steal. It doesn't say thou shall not steal X or thou shall not steal Y, which opens the trajectory of what this instruction can apply to. And, 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 And as I did some study on this, um, when, when, I, when I looked at it from a, from a Jewish perspective, so in the Jewish rabbi tradition, they didn't view this instruction as just not stealing stuff. They, they really viewed it as not stealing people. Think kidnapping, think slavery, think, think human trafficking, all of which involves economic gain. And as I thought about that even more, I came to the realization that, that this story, the story of these 10 commandments, we're calling them love instructions here, where these people are standing at the foot of Mount Sinai, receiving, Moses is receiving from God, they're receiving these instructions from God. That, that story really began with the story of Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers for economic gain. L- listen to what we're told here in Genesis chapter 37, verses 26 through 27. And if you remember this story, the brothers, we talked about this a few weeks ago, his brothers coveted, 
their father's affection that their father was giving to Joseph, and so they wanted to kill him. And Judah says this in verse 26. Judah said to his brothers, what profit is there for us to kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. So Joseph ended up being a slave. He was sold into slavery for economic gain, and then through a wild and crazy story, he, he actually rose from that slavery all the way up to the number two person in all of Egypt. And then his family came down to live in Egypt with him. And then 400 years later, his descendants, these recently freed slaves, tens of thousands of them, are standing at the foot of this mountain called Mount Sinai. And they're getting this instruction from God, reminding them to never, ever steal people like the Egyptians do. Because I want you to show the world that there's a different way to live. We live for the best interest of each other. We don't exploit each other. That's what God's way is all about. And so because this instruction, you shall not steal, does not have an object to it, I think we have to ponder all the types of theft that we typically don't think about. One is our time. How much of our time have we stolen from those who need it in our sphere of influence, whether family member, friend, someone who's just struggling in life? How much of our time have we stolen from God to be able to use in that way because of an addiction? How, how much time have, have we stolen from those that we, that we say we love the most because of excessive work? And then there's all those relational thefts, stealing someone else's spouse. That is having sex with someone else's spouse and trying to get that spouse to leave their spouse to be with us. Stealing someone's purity. We typically don't think of sex that way, especially before marriage. It's stealing someone's purity. And if you are Netflixing and chilling, some of you know what that means. You may be stealing in more ways than you think, especially if it's not your Netflix account. Yeah, Wi-Fi too, folks. Oh, now I'm really touching on a sensitive subject, eh? Mm. Or how about this one? Yeah, stealing someone's um, reputation by gossiping about them, bearing false witness about them, stealing someone's self-worth and dignity by calling them names like stupid, dumb, fat, ugly. Why do we do that? Because we covet, because we're jealous, because we want to elevate ourselves by downgrading somebody else. Why? I think we steal in more ways than we think. Don't you think? In a couple of weeks, we're gonna talk about the second instruction. And that second instruction deals with idolatry. And I think this, section, this second instruction and this eighth instruction, they're very interrelated and, and follow me and you'll, and, and you'll see why. When we think about idolatry, sometimes we think of these wooden figurines but not, not in our day and age. There, there's other things that grab our, our, grab our attention, grab our worship, grab our, our, uh, grab our love, grab our hearts. 
really an idol is just simply, and it doesn't have to be anything bad, it's just simply, simply something that, that grabs our worship other than, other than God. And I think in our country, and I think that you would agree, there's a lot of things that try to do that, but one of the main things is, is money. We sell out for it. We sacrifice for it, right? Why? Because we think that the more money we have, if we have more, we'll be more secure, right? How many of you ever said, if I just had enough money, what? You can get more stuff? You wouldn't be in debt? You really think you start that habit just because you have more? So who is your God? In our country, a lot of it is all has to do with money, wealth. And so Jesus tells us in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, I think is one of the reasons why Jesus is speaking, he's speaking to people there because people wrestled with that issue there and, and we wrestle with that issue now. He says, we cannot serve both God and money. And I, and I think that this eighth instruction really comes into play here. Again, keep with me. Even those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, I think everybody here are as a follower of Jesus Christ, right? Or you're at least contemplating it. Even those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, we, we wrestle with this one. We, we assume that everything that we possess is ours. I worked for it. It's mine. I developed that gift, that, that talent. It's mine. It's my time to manage. It's mine. Mm. And then if we're really spiritual, if we're really spiritual, then we'll tip. I mean, we'll tithe God 10% right? Uh-oh, there he goes, preacher man. He's going to talk about money now. Isn't that what churches always talk about? Well, if you've noticed here, if you've come at all, we do, but we don't talk about it in a weird way. We just say, hey, if you're follower of Jesus Christ, everything you possess is God's, right? So we always give a portion back to God. We have offering boxes in our back. If you're new with us, we always say, and that's why I will say it right now, is just receive today. Just receive God's truth and leave a changed person, okay? But again, if we think we're really spiritual, we will we'll throw in that, that tip. And if we tip, tip 10% at a restaurant, what does the waitress look at us? Or, I don't think that's too, I don't think that's really that much anymore, do they? Uh-uh. I was listening to this uh, interesting message by a fellow by the name of Tony Campola. Has anyone ever heard of Tony Campola? He's an interesting preacher, He's really a professor. He's a pretty dramatic guy. And he was, he was giving a talk on, on tithing. And, and he was talking, uh, talking about the fact that, that the Israelites were required or instructed to give 10% of everything to God. That's the livestock. That's crops. That's their wine. And, and as he was talking about that, he read from Deuteronomy chapter um, 14, beginning of verse 22. And I want to read read that passage to you. This is what we're told. Verse 22, it says, be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. And then 23 struck me. I had never thought about it this way. I never really read this and focused on this verse. Then it says this, eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and olive oil, and the firstborn of of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. But if that place is too distant and you have been blessed by the Lord your God and cannot carry your tithe because the place where the Lord will choose to put his name is too far away, then exchange your tithe for silver and take that silver with you to go to the place the Lord your God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, 
wine, other fermented drink. I don't know if that means beer or not. I, I don't know. That ex- existed then? No one's chuckling right now? No? It's what it says. Or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat these in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. And do not neglect the Levites, that's the pastors, the priests, living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. Verse 28, at the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, they don't have any land to really, to really derive crops from or food from, so that the Levites and the foreigners, the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. And so as we just read, and as Tony made very clear, and if you know Tony, he's a very dramatic kind of a speaker, what the Israelites were supposed to do with all the food and with all the booze that they had brought to God was to throw a big party in Jerusalem or wherever God's name was to be proclaimed. You follow me? And then, and, and then Tony went on to say, and, and, and I liked it, so I, I'm the same view, is that we often have this, this whole thing backwards. We think that we give 10% or a portion to God, and then the rest, the 90% or whatever is left, is ours to do with as we wish. Uh-uh. It all belongs to God. I mean, when Kristen and I started to live that way, it just completely changed our living dynamic. So our view is there's nothing we possess is ours. Talent, treasure, time, it's all God's. We're just stewards of the things that God has chosen to give to us. And when you live that way, ooh, it's fun. God's blessing just continues to come through you, in you, out of you, and you just get to share in the joy that God is doing around the world. Are, 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 you, are, you, are you following me here? And so, and so as Tony was saying, it all belongs to God. The Israelites, hear me on this, the Israelites, what they were supposed to do with that 10% that they gave to God is to throw a party to celebrate the fact that God has provided them with everything they need to live and to survive. And if they live with this attitude that nothing that they possess is theirs, it's all God's, then guess what happens? Everybody in their community is taken care of. No one goes without. All their basic needs, all their basic needs, all their basic needs are met. And and so that's how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live in the same way. It's, 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 it's this verse in, in Deuteronomy chapter 15. If we embrace this, this is what happens. This is what happens. No matter if someone in our community of faith or in the Israelite community of faith is super successful, or even if a town is super successful, if someone in their community, if their crop failed, What did they do? They all came around and they made sure that that family or that individual was fed and clothed because it's not ours. It's all God's, okay? And so so what God is telling the Israelites, what God's telling people, church on the hill and any other community faith, if you live this way, Deuteronomy chapter five, verse four, this is what happens. There will be no poor among you. 
since the Lord will surely bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess. If only you listen obediently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all this commandment which I am commanding you today. Are you getting this one? If we live with this attitude that nothing we possess is ours, then no one in this community of faith will go without their basic needs being met. If we live with this generous attitude that everything we possess is God's, nobody in our community of faith will go without their basic needs being met. Do do you understand that? And and then what happens is, is people who are not in a community of faith, they start to see how a community of faith takes care of their people and, and what happens then? They're drawn to that kind of love that they see people experiencing, and they want to come to, this, to know this God who will change everything in them. I mean, that's how God wanted to use the Israelites. He wanted them to show the world there's a different way to live than the Egyptian way, which was to exploit people. No, we are to live for the best interest of each other. Are you guys, are you guys following me here? And so as I was contemplating this eighth instruction and really trying to get to the depth of it, it made me think that maybe I have been thinking too narrowly of this, of this prayer, this one portion of the, this prayer that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 6. You know it as the Lord's Prayer. In that, in that particular section of the, of the prayer, Jesus tells us to, to pray this way. He, he, he says, give us this day our daily bread. And prior to doing research and, and just contemplating this eighth instruction, I had always thought about this particular prayer part as, as asking God to meet my needs, or my family's needs. But, but what, if God, what if Jesus is really talking about something much broader here? Like when he says us, I like all of us. Like our daily bread, like, like that, that's, that's, that's everybody. And, and what if God really has provided for everybody in our world. We just need to share our excess so that that person who may be struggling today or this year or this month has their basic need met. What if? What if we just needed to share? This causes me to then wrestle with the question of, hmm, if I have more food than what I need in my pantry, or if I have more clothes than what I need in my closet, whose food and whose clothes do I really have? St. Basil put it this way. He said, when someone steals a man's clothes, we call him a thief. Rightfully so. Shouldn't we give the same name to one who could clothe the naked and does not? So that extra food in our pantry, those extra clothes in our closet or in our drawers, they belong to the person who, who needs it. You follow me? Maybe we steal more than what we think. The Apostle Paul, he He comes at this eighth instruction in in Ephesians chapter four, verse 28. He comes at it from the angle of stealing stuff. And so 
And so he says, he says this at the beginning, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. That's the eighth instruction, thou shalt not steal, right? But, but listen, listen closely to what he says here. Uh, so anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. I find Paul's statement here very interesting. He doesn't say, get a job so you can take care of yourself. He says, get a job so you can take care of others. I find that fascinating for how we are to think about our lives. Don't, don't you? So Paul really here is addressing two types of theft. He's really talking about the sin of commission when we actually steal, right? And he's also talking about the, the sin of omission. Huh. So it's not just that we don't steal stuff from people. It's also that we don't withhold our excess from those who need it now. Again, our excess is someone else's need. Even if we have stopped all the ways that we have have stolen or maybe continued to, to steal, most of us have a long way to go when it comes to hoarding. That is, stealing from those who need what we have excess of. I love how the psalmist puts it in Psalm 37, verse 21. He's talking about the godly or generous givers. This is our memory verse for this week. In the beginning, uh, the psalmist starts it this way, the wicked borrow and never repay. I've done that. But the godly are generous givers. Again, we may, we may steal more than what we think. Everything that I've talking, talk, talked about today, I've done from a stealing perspective, except stealing someone's wife. And I did it when I was a church attendee. So please, please don't, don't think that, that God doesn't know. <laughs> don't let the evil one, don't let the evil one uh, cause you to settle for something less than, impure, than, than, less than pure, right? Because the evil one can get us to play very interesting games with our minds. Are you following me? Do you want to know how much I've stolen? When I asked that question at 9 o'clock, everyone said, yeah! I was like, whoa! And then I had to talk about that, right? You guys didn't say anything, so we can move on. I don't, I don't have to talk about that. I still remember... I think this was when we just had moved to Michigan. So I'm in my second pastor. I wake up in the middle of the night in one of those cold sweats. Because God brings things to you. Because you may have buried things, right? That you've done in your past that are wrong, that you have the opportunity to rectify. And so I woke up in the middle of the night in this cold sweat, and I'm like, oh, I have a chance to make amends. And I, I remember saying this, man, I don't want to go to hell over this. Just nonsense. 
So I got in the car and I drove five and a half hours and I called the person while I was in the car. I said, hey, can we meet? Conference room and yeah, sure. So, so we met and I, and I whipped out my checkbook and I said, hey, I, I, I've, I've justified this because the evil one allowed me and helped me justify this in a lot of different ways. And I can make a lot of arguments that this wasn't stealing, but it, it was. So I pulled up my checkbook and I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm ready to write you a check for 75 grand right now. Because, man, I just, I did some things that just aren't kosher from, I'm a God follower now. And I, and I can make things right. So I'm sorry. I don't want that one on me. This person's looking at me like, are you serious right now? Like you're actually, no one would have known. You're, yeah. Person says, I forgive you. I'm like, whoa. I still wrote a five-figure check. Don't let the evil one, don't let the evil one play mind games with you. If it's stealing, call it what it is. If you're still breathing, go make amends. Go say you're sorry. Go offer to make things right. Life is too short. You with me this morning? I don't know if you're thinking, man, what's up with our pastor? I'm a changed man, God. That's what happened. Yeah? I was on the pathway to hell. God resurrected me. I'm living the dream, and I never want to go back to those sleepless, restless, peaceless nights. Are you with me this morning? We're still living. We're still breathing. God's still restoring. God's still saving. Who wants some of that this morning? I do. There was this church who had this interesting pastor who gave a message uh, I don't know, a while ago. And, and the message is on this whole concept of hoarding and this concept of living in the economy of enough. And, and, and the next week, some guy came to this pastor after the, the message and said, hey, this is my first time here. And the pastor asked him, hey, well, can I ask, how'd you, how'd you get here? He goes, well, let me tell you the story. I, I was in prison and I got out of prison and I'm in, you may think of it like a halfway house, but I'm in this, I'm in this place and I'm, I'm sharing a room with this other guy. And my roommate came to, he's a part of, part of the church, right? And so he came home last Sunday afternoon and he walks into our room and he gets into his closet and he opens up his closet. He doesn't have a lot of stuff, but he took half of it out and he gave it to me and I didn't really have anything. And I asked him, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And, and this guy told me, he goes, because that's how our church rolls. So, so I wanna come and see what this church is all about. I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of that kind of that kind of love, and so this is where the rubber meets the road for us. Are we willing to move? Maybe just maybe from a from a life of stealing more than what we think to a life of generosity. 
just viewing all this that we have as God's blessing, and we're just to share with those who may be in a tight spot. And we're going to do that in a couple, I think, a couple fun ways over the next, over the next couple months. And the first way we're going to do it is, is we're going we're gonna to help, we're going to partner with Provoking Hope. Has anyone ever heard of Provoking Hope in our community faith? Yeah. Okay, we got some people that hear of Provoking Hope over here. Well, Provoking Hope works with people who are struggling with addiction to, to, to help them kind of move out of that and live the life that really God has created them to live, right? And so one thing that they do, this is their fourth, um, this is their fourth winter doing, it, fourth, fourth October, is they have this sock drive. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but it means a lot. It's really giving people the opportunity to have clean socks, have, have, have feet that are warm and, 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 and that are dry. And so we're going to partner with them. And, 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 and Diane, just raise your hand if you don't know. This is Di- Diane Reynolds. She, she leads Provoking Hope. So, so Diane, Diane's going to tell us what kind of socks we can bring next Sunday. Tell us, Diane. So we collect these socks. We collect all kinds of socks. We collect women's socks. We collect men's socks, wool socks. We collect little children's socks. We collect, you know, the little booties that just come up to your ankles. Yeah, so any kind of socks is basically what Diane is telling us there. And next week, we're going to have bins around our community of faith. And I want to challenge you to bring a pair of socks with you. If you want to go buy a package of socks, they're not going to say no to that either. And just put them in these bins. And then over this winter season... They will make sure that people have clean socks to keep their feet warm. I love those little baby socks. Don't you those little kitty socks? I don't, we don't have any of them anymore. We have to go buy them. But bring, I'm going to bring my Steelers socks next week, right? So someone can wear them with pride throughout the winter season. The other thing we're going to do, and this is what, when we come and we receive communion today, we have these stickers and on these stickers, it says 12-1, food pantry at the top, clothing closet at the bottom. And I want you to take this sticker, and I want you to put it on, on some type of a can or some type of a container. And so over the next few months, I'm going to encourage you, use it, do this as a family, whatever your family unit is. Put your change. You can throw some bills in there too. And then bring it on Sunday, December 1st. It will be the last Sunday of these love instructions that we're talking about. And we're going to make an offering to God on that day. And we're going, to give, we're going to give this offering to our food pantry here. And our food pantry is going to use it to buy food for people. If you didn't know, our food pantry last year served over 12,000 people in our county. Okay, that's pretty impressive how God uses that. And we give, them, we give them money instead of food because they can get food at 20 cents on the dollar. So they can, so they can get... They can, get a, they can get a lot of food. And, and we're the only food pantry that's open in the evening in the entire county of Yamhill. Thursday nights. We're also open on Tuesday afternoons as well. But on Thursday nights, people, and these mainly are, are working people who just find it difficult. You know what I mean? It's, it, it, it's tough, right? And seniors. And we just want to bless them with what what somebody needs because we have more than enough, right? We can share, we can take care of each other. And then the other thing I want you to do is on, on December 1st is I want you to also bring some clothes that we can give as people come and shop for food. Now, I was told to deliver this message. They don't need women's clothes. Our, our clothing pantry has some uh, closet has an arrangement with some entity where they get women's clothes, but what they do need is children's clothes and men's clothes. 
And I'm not talking about the clothes that you're going to throw out. If you're going to throw something out, throw it out. I'm talking about sharing stuff that maybe we wear once or twice a month, but someone else is going to wear it every day. In this Christmas season, in this, in this winter season, we're going to make sure that people are clothed well. Are you following me? So on December 1st, just bring it in, whatever, your cha- whatever, whatever you've collected from a finance perspective and whatever you collect, and, and, and lay it on God's altar. And guess what? God has a weird way of just multiplying things to meet people's needs. Are you following me? I love this image where we all, where we, 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 just, we just stand in front of God with like open hands. And, and I love this image when we're, when we're gonna receive and we're gonna participate in communion. It's like we just stand before God with our hands empty. And, and, it, and it, it doesn't really matter if we are people here that some of us may have a lot. From a world perspective, we're viewed as rich. Rich is having more than what you need. Many of us fit that category. I, I love it that we all have to come with, with empty hands, all poor in a sense, asking God to give us what only God can give. That's that matchless, life-changing, never-ending grace. And so as we come and we receive, we receive communion today, but may, may we realize that as we come, that, that, God, think about, that God feeds us spiritually with one loaf, one body, Christ's body that was broken for us, Christ's blood that was poured out for us, one body, one body, one body. And if we're willing to share, everybody gets fed at God's table. Are you with me this morning? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we prepare our hearts for communion? And just so you know, if you're a guest with us today, you don't have to be a member of Church on the Hill to receive communion. You just have to be someone who sincerely wants to receive God's grace this morning and wants to be changed by that grace. So God, please, we come to you this morning as as people who may have been deceived by the evil one on this whole issue of stealing. Mm. Some of us today, we have to confess just before you now. We're sorry. We're sorry that we stole. Well, you know. And God, if... Give us the strength. If we can make amends, give us the strength because that's not easy to go to someone because we don't know what their response is gonna be. They may not even be aware. But help us make things right. We can only do that with your spirit flowing into us and empowering us and strengthening us, God. So please, 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 we're asking you Let your spirit do what your spirit does well. Cleanse and purify us. Mm. Purify our mind and our hearts. May we not live a lie anymore. May we become a people of your generosity. May we stop viewing all this stuff that we have as ours. Our time and our talent as ours. It's all yours. It's all a gift from you. We're just stewards 
of what you've chosen to give to us. So please, God, help us to live that way. Help us to understand that our excess is someone else's need. Help us to be a people of your blessing. And so as we come to be fed at your table, oh God, may you feed us, may you transform us, may you change us, and then may you use us to change the world, to be a blessing, to reflect your image so that more people come to know you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray and ask. And if you are someone who is gluten-free as you come this morning, know that we have that in the center of these trays. We have some gluten-free bread. And we're gonna avoid chaos by everyone going to your right and then coming back into your pew on your left. So go to your right, come receive. And please don't, don't forget to take one of these stickers as a reminder for you to be a blessing to someone else. Will you stand with me as our worship team comes and leads us? And as Spirit leads you, please come and receive from God today. Silence, the roaring light. 
declared the grave has no claim on me. taken i just want to remind you that that this right here this this cube of bread represents christ's body that was broken for you god wants to feed you and nourish you on a daily basis to make you more like jesus christ in every way and every day so if you want some of that take take and eat this morning Mm -hmm. and this represents christ's blood that was shed for you Mm. That's right, Allison, so that you, this awesome sixth grader who God is using to influence your friends at school, God wants, God, God shed God's blood for you because guess what, Allison? God wants to live with you forever. And God wants to empower you to change the world. I believe you're a world changer. You change dynamics in your friend group. You are a beautiful, awesome creation of God. And I just rejoice right now that God created you. And God's done that for each one of you because that's how much God loves you and values you. Amen? So if you want some of that, drink. Drink drink and receive this morning. Oh God, we come to you as people, poor people, people in need of what only you can give us your life-changing grace. So God, we just received this morning and we want to receive each and every day. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us. Continue to do your work in us. Make us into your image. May we be a people of your generosity, of your blessing, God. May, May we have this heart attitude that just wants to share and make sure that those in our sphere of influence do not go without, constantly pointing people in your direction. And then we just trust that you will do what you do, heal and restore. 
In Jesus' mighty name we pray and ask, amen. You're dismissed to go and be a God blessing. No pain.